Do you feel like you guys are kind of stuck with your finances and your conversations about money? Maybe you've been making some great progress, but now you've hit a wall and you don't know what to do next. Today, we're going to talk about how to find the best advisor for you and make sure that they're working in your best interests. Welcome to the Couple Money Podcast, the show where we share stories and advice on building up your marriage and wealth together. I'm Elle Martinez. Support for this podcast comes from Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money Masterclass. This course is designed to help you two get on the same page with money, dump your debt faster, and get you on the path to financial freedom. Sign up for the class today and get lifetime access. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash jumpstart. What do you think about when you hear financial advisor? In one of my earlier jobs at a doctor's office, I had an opportunity to meet with a financial advisor for free. And he was really nice. We talked about what investments I had. Not much at the time I was in college, just started investing. I just got the sense that as the conversation went on, though, it was less about teaching me the next moves with my finances and more about getting me in certain investments. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you've been to one of those luncheons where you get some information about investing or maybe insurance, but the financial advising piece really isn't there. Maybe it's left a bad taste in your mouth. From personal experience, there are some great financial advisors out there. Ones that are not only looking at, yes, what's in your portfolio and your investments, but the bigger picture. However, sometimes it takes a little bit of effort up front to find a good one. So today I'm bringing on Michael K. to help me out and help you find the best financial advisor for you. He's a fee-only financial planner at Financial Life Focus where he specializes looking at the big picture with his clients, not just the numbers, but what they want to do with their lives and then make the finances work for that. In this episode, we get into questions that you should ask a potential financial advisor, including a red flag that means you should run out the door, to why you should look at your finances in a holistic way And three, finding the best advisor for your family and your circumstances to not only get out of debt, invest wisely, but also uh, build some wealth and work towards the life that you guys want. Hope you enjoy this interview. There's so many people that claim to be a financial expert. And you mentioned this word, fiduciary. What makes this so advantageous if someone comes to you? You know, the idea that everyone, when people talk about financial advisors, the word is so general that it encompasses everyone from uh, someone who sells insurance to the stockbroker at Merrill or, you know, or UBS or whatever, and right on through the fiduciary world, which is a different standard. Those of us in the fiduciary world, which means legally and morally, ethically, we have to act in our client's best interest, and we must disclose 
all conflicts of interest and how we get paid and all these other things and legal entanglements or if there's been complaints, all these things have to be upfront in our disclosure brochures. That's updated every year. So the fiduciary world really allows clients to work with an expert who, uh, or a planner who really has to work in their best interest without regard to their own interest. Yeah. So of course we want to, we're, we're in business to make a profit. But again, if our advice has to be based on what is in our client's best interest, and that has to be our overwhelming, uh, our guiding principle. And, and it's very comforting to know that, you know, we can give advice without regard to it's going to impact our income one way or the other. I think this is absolutely crucial, which is why I encourage, uh, you know, members of the community, please look for that uh, when you're speaking with a financial advisor. And I've talked to some others and I just, I kind of want to hone in on this. Do you feel offended if someone asks you, you know, are you a fiduciary? Is that like a dirty word or are you fine with people being upfront and asking? Oh no, I want people to ask. I want them to understand, you know, information is always power. You know, if you understand who you're working with and that's not to say that if you work that uh, an advisor who works on the product side is bad uh, or they're dishonest, I'm not inferring that in the least. They might be super well-skilled. They might be really great at what they do. But, you know, their standard of care is different. Mm-hmm. And as long as the consumer understands that, the, 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 the standard of care uh, for a non-fiduciary is what's called suitability under FINRA rules. And suitability means that the investment that they're providing is suitable for them based on where they are versus in their best interest. So there's a, there is a wide gap between yeah. those two. And I think it's vital for consumers to ask anyone they're working with, how do they get paid? Are there conflicts of interest? Have there been complaints against them? It's really important. You're, you're trying to build a relationship of trust. And in order to do that, you need to know and you need to be comfortable enough to say, hey, this works for me or this doesn't work for me or I feel comfortable with this or I don't feel comfortable with this. In our process, mm-hmm. when we have our, what we call our fit meeting with our clients, with, with prospective clients up front, mm-hmm. we, ask, we don't ask for any financial information and because we believe that that's private. And until someone has the comfort to say, yes, I want to share my private information with you, we don't feel that we have the right to that. Whereas most financial uh, people will say, if you want to have a meeting, Uh, bring me your tax returns and bring me your statements and bring me what's in your brokerage accounts. And people feel that they're being uh, assessed based on their wealth. And and, and I think that's uncomfortable for, it would be uncomfortable for me. So I think it would be uncomfortable for most people to say, here I'm opening up my entire financial picture to a stranger. And so I think you want to make sure that you're working with someone you feel comfortable with and don't disclose anything that you don't feel comfortable disclosing. It's your business. It's your personal life and be guarded as to who you share it with. That's some good advice. And you mentioned something that I loved. You described standard of care and it reminds me of like going to a physician and you're trying to find the right physician and every doctor has specialties and skills and even within the same specialty, they have different approaches and I heard you are this expert on goal-based financial planning. So I kind of want to dig into this, what's perhaps typically done or what people associate with regular financial planning. We are considered financial life planners. So financial life planning really 
focuses in on someone's life, mm-hmm. how they live their life, what they value most, what are the things that will allow them to put their heads on the pillow at night? What are the things that keep their heads off the pillow at night? What are the, those things that are like, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen if, and what happens, and how do I, how do I send my kids to college? And, you know, I've got this bill coming in and my roof is leaking. And blah. So there are all these things that people have, and I've got student loans. And I, so life planning really starts with what is it we care about most? Mm-hmm. What are the things that we, we, what are our values? Not, what possessions do we wish to acquire or, or, you know, uh, what car we drive or what clothes we wear, but what are the things that give us that sense of, ah, you know, what allows us to feel good about where we are and where we're going. And maybe, maybe even where, where we are might not be the most comfortable place, but if we see the road ahead Mm -hmm. and we understand where we're going and how we're getting there, it's comforting. So, Financial life planning really gears towards that understanding of the client's values and beliefs around money and versus the the typical financial planner who will say, you know, show me what you make, show me what you spend, what's your net worth, we're going to put it in this computer program and roll out a whole bunch of, you know, this is where you are and this is where you're going. Uh, In financial life planning, what we look at is where are you today and how satisfied are you with the various aspects of your life, not just financial life, but the rest of your life, your family life, your, uh, your, your uh, relationship with your community, your, your, your leisure time, your health, uh, and your finances, uh, and your work life and things like that. Uh, but also, where did you come from? What are your money beliefs? Where did, what's your money history? And your money history really informs us as to where, how you believe today, because we learn about money growing up. And then we look at the future. Where is it you're going? What are the things that you're preparing for? What happens if you lose a job? What happens if you're trying to prepare for college? What happens if you have parents that you're going to need to help out? So we want to look at the the present, the past, and the future. And what we find with couples, especially, are couples who have... um, varied uh, money histories and therefore their communication over money. Yeah. <laughs> they're not speaking the same language and, yes. and it's understandable. So what we want to do is bring them to a place where, Hey, this is your normal. Okay. And this is your normal. Neither one is wrong, but mm-hmm. they're the experiences you had. So let's kind of understand it, embrace it and understand it from each other's perspective. And I've had so many experiences where one spouse would look at the other after we go through some exercises, especially around their money history, and they're going, I never knew that. They, they might have been married for yeah. 10, 20, 30 years, and they, they, they didn't have any understanding because it's, not, it's typically not a conversation. So do you feel like in addition to being a financial advisor, you're almost like that neutral third party slash marriage counselor slash therapist? <laughs> Well, I'm, uh, in in a certain sense, I guess you could say that I'm I'm really I'm really fearful of the word therapist because <laughs> what we do is not therapy, but what we mm-hmm. what we try and do is ask really good questions and listen to what's being said and provide a, an atmosphere where people can share without judgment. One of the biggest blocks that people have, and, and couples especially, is there's this feeling of of dread and blame and shame mm-hmm. around money. 
And what we really want to do is say, hey, listen, perfect example. If my furnace breaks down, I am not grabbing a wrench, okay? I'm grabbing the phone and I'm calling the guy who knows what to do with my with the furnace. Uh, when it comes to if you have a if, if you have some kind of an illness, I'm not going on WebMD and trying to you know self diagnose yeah. and self treat myself. But when it comes to money, we have as a society this fear of saying I don't know this. We mm-hmm. feel like and men especially. Men especially are like, oh, I, you know, of course I know this. It's like, no, you really don't, but that's okay. Um, yeah. It's not your fault, you know, it's uh, that you don't know it, but it's okay that you don't know it. And what we really want to do is take that whole thing away of what you should know. Mm-hmm. When it comes to money and your future and your planning and your goals, there's nothing objective about it. It's really very subjective. So, I can act as the, as the objective third party where trying to plan for yourself is a lot more difficult because you have to know so much mm-hmm. and be objective. We, we look at things through our subjective screens. I think it's very interesting that Richard Thaler just won the Nobel Prize for behavioral economics out uh, uh, of the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, and his whole research is around how people make decisions that are completely uh, make no sense at all. Uh, they're irrational. As human beings, we rationalize our decisions. Yeah. So we are, uh, as, as planners, what we want to do is be that rational person, come together and help us achieve the goals that we care most about. Yeah. So, so it, it becomes more helpful. Yeah. So let me ask you, I know you were talking about this and, you know, it's great having a specialist that's very knowledgeable with a couple that sits down with you. Do you mind maybe doing a little bit of educating and and helping out? Because, you know, like there's some doctors that are great at diagnosing, uh, but they don't have those conversations like, this is why, you know, I feel like this is what it is. This is what you should be doing and why in your condition. How do you feel planning and sitting down? Is that something you personally enjoy doing? Do you feel like a couple is challenging you if they're asking, well, why do you think this is the best option? Oh, that's such a great question. And it's so vital. And and we spend a lot of time telling our, our, our clients, you must ask questions. And if, and if we say something that you don't understand, your job is raise your hand, say time out. I don't understand what that means. Our job is to educate and therefore empower, okay? The more questions that someone asks, the better. Because no one should ever be a victim of someone's advice that they don't understand. Now, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have your MBA in finance or be a certified financial planner. But you need to have enough basic knowledge to see whether it makes sense based on what you're being presented and how it helps you achieve your goals. If it, if it's confusing, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, we tell our clients, if you go home after this meeting and something else occurs to you, please call us back. Or if we explain something six times and it still doesn't come through, we'll explain it a seventh, eighth, ninth, or 10th time. There's no, there, and there is no excuse not to. So um, we need to empower our clients to make good decisions. We would never want someone to make a decision 
based on not having enough information or not feeling good enough about what they're being told. And I will tell anyone, if you're not 100% confident and, and strong about what you've heard and understand, don't do it. Don't do anything until you feel that strength. I've gotten a lot of feedback because sometimes they've met with uh, financial advisors and I'll put quotes because yeah. they're not certified and they're not fiduciary. Almost like the advisor feels challenged. Why are you questioning me this way? Right. And I, I feel like that's complete. Yeah, that's a red flag. Yeah, that's a big red flag. That's a big red flag. Run in the opposite direction. If, if, if you come across a financial advisor, in quotes, that says you're challenging them and, and gets defensive, run because they're they're not there for you they're there for them i know there's couples that are listening and catching this conversation and they're thinking of getting a financial advisor but they're at the point where they know they what they kind of want to do retire hopefully earlier than 65 uh, but they don't know how to get there should they hold off until they work out those issues themselves or could a financial advisor still work with them well, I think it's really important for to work with a financial advisor who can help guide the conversation and keep it on track and, and start the conversation. So frequently, we'll have younger couples who will say, you know, we might want to retire. And I'm going to ask the question, okay, what does that look like? What, is it, what does it mean once you retire? What does your life look like? What, is it, what are you filling the basket with? Because you know, and, and I don't care when you retire, whether you retire at age 50 or retire at age 60 or 70 or whatever that age is, but there needs to be purpose and meaning in your life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we die. We die internally and externally. So we want to so make sure that we've built enough purpose into our life. People say, well, I want to travel. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What does travel mean? You're going to take the Queen Mary around the world or are you going to take, you know, do a day trip, a bus day trip to, you know, various locations around where you live? They're both travel, but they have different price tags. Yeah. Uh, people, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I'm going to play golf. Well, you're not, hey, you're not going to play golf 365 days a year. <laughs> okay. Uh, and number two, what happens if you, you know, blow out your knee? What are you going to do then? Are you going to sit on the couch and watch Oprah? What are you going to do? What gives your life meaning and purpose? So, and what, and what are the price tags that surround that? So if you want to sustain a lifestyle after work, you need to know what is included in that basket so you can build to that. Now, most couples, especially when they're younger, don't really know. They haven't thought about what's next. They, they know that they want to retire. They know that they want to stop working, but they don't quite know what that next step is. Mm -hmm. So, we want to start building in, well, let's put a placeholder in there. What are some of the possibilities? Okay. What are some of the things that might have interest? We'll give, uh, we'll give um, uh, assignments to people about just write down five possibilities of things that might be interesting to you. I have a, a great story uh, if, if, you, if we have time to, yeah. to share. Yeah. Years ago, I had a client who came to me and he said he was a, a television director. Uh, for a, a major network and he came in one day and he was completely disgusted with his, his job and he threw these papers on the table and he said, I, he goes, I can't take it anymore. I, I want to retire. I need to know if I have enough money to retire. And I took the papers and I pushed them over to the side, turned them face down and he's looking at me like I'm insane. 
And I looked at him, I go, so what are you going to do when you retire? And he got this look at like the deer in the headlights look, you know, like that. Like he had, like his face completely went into shock. And he goes, I have no idea. Mm. I said, well, then how can you retire unless you have an idea of where you're going? And we finished the call. I said, you need time to really think about what your next step is. And we got up from the meeting and he was one of these kind of gruff, kind of hard edge kind of guy. And I went to shake his hand and he puts his arms around me and he gives me a hug. He says, thank you. He goes, this was the, the most important meeting I've ever had. Wow. And, and, and it was just like one of those moments of, of understanding. And uh, his, he and his wife came in uh, a week or two later and he said, you know what? He goes, I'm setting my targets for retiring in a year. And my wife and I are here to talk about some of the possibilities. So we need to have those conversations with clients. We need to have the conversation with each couple has a chance to share their thoughts without feeling judged and without feeling under pressure. Special thanks to Michael for being a part of today's episode. If you want to learn more about him, his firm, or see if he's the best advisor for you, head over to Financial Life Focus. That's financial-lifefocus.com. Don't worry if you can't write that down real quick. As always, I'll have all the info and details in the show notes on Couple Money. I've also included resources so you too can get started and find the right financial advisor for you. And if you want to stay on top of not just the podcast, but the weekly video show we have, articles that we release, make sure you're subscribed to Couple Money. I send out weekly updates with everything, as well as some behind the scene and exclusive stuff. Plus, it's free. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash join. Our theme song was written and performed by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere and Music for Makers. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much. I really appreciate the kind reviews you're leaving and the fact that you're sharing these episodes with your friends and family. I'm very grateful because we're not only just getting the word out about getting out of debt and maybe, you know, saving for a house or baby or business, whatever, but we're talking about working together as a team with our marriage to build the life we want and then make sure the finances are in place. So I really appreciate the support. And if you ever have any questions, just send an email at l at couplemoney.com. I hope you have a great week. Take care. 